All right, my guy. Welcome to the Full Profits Podcast. State your name. Hey, my name is Brady Smith, man. From the side, West Side, always loving it. Welcome to be here, my brother. Where you from on the West Side? Where you from on the West Side? Um, from North Avenue and Laramie, man. North Avenue and Laramie, L Town. Okay. Shout out to L Town. Yeah. Church all the time, all the time. Um, you grew up over there all your life. Born and raised, man. Born and raised from North Avenue to Division to to my young, um, how would I put it, enlightened days on Augusta and K Town <laughs> with the brothers. That uh-huh. <laughs> was like a, a lot of action was going over there. With... Yeah, man, but it's part of growth. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so speaking of growth, let's let me ask you this question: When did you start doing crack? <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I found out woman had this particular body part. <laughs> ah, there it is. Oh, God. Enhanced my mind again. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's uh stupid. Man. Yeah, you know, I got I gotta say something, you know, lighten them up. Um, oh, that was a great judge. Yes, sir. So what what high school did you go to? Oh man, I went to Tav, man, on the north side, man. Tav, William Howard Tav, man. The Eagles, man. You know, back in the day, Tav did have us in there. We were multicultural at the time. Now we're speaking about a quarter a year, quarter ago. But still, the fact remains is we was multicultural. So yes, I was in the hood, but I went outside the hood, outside the hood for my education, brother. <laughs> Gotta know. Your early years of development, what was that like growing up on the west side of Chicago? Oh, it, it was, how would I put it? It was great, man. Luckily, I have my mom's, mom's from Harlem, New York, pops from Prattville, Alabama. So it was very critical when my pops went blind on me when I was one. My mom was an educator at, at Nash on the West Side. So that's why my sister, myself, and my brother, she made an imperative say, yeah, we're going to live in the hood. But y'all going to go outside the hood to learn. We lived right across the street from Lewis Elementary. All my partners in the hood went there, but I went to the greatest elementary school ever. Harry D. Sarah, Language Academy, 1850 North Newland. <laughs> state your claim, state your claim, man, man. <laughs> hey, but, but growing up on the West Side, man, it was, what's crazy is, and it's funny, is like we experienced regentrification of it. My moms and pops on, on the block, we was the third black family on the block. Like my neighbor, rest in peace, Mr. Bernardi, was a full-blown Italian. And to the left of us was our Filipino family, the Allens. And then, but as time progressed, the whole neighborhood became black. But now, my moms and pops are the last of the three families and the whole block is becoming Latino. Oh, wow. So it, it, it's, it, it's, it's progress of how multicultures go up. And it is what it is. Yeah. But growing up, I, my neighborhood was predominantly African-American. And that's why, like I said, rest in peace, Mr. Bernardi. My true Italian, Mr. Junkyard, my own white version of Sanford and Son, <laughs> was true to the game. But it was lovely, man. You seen a lot of wild things, seen a lot of loving things, but it was life. So you said your mother was from Harlem. Yeah, man. Born and raised, Jack. She, you, you tell her now, she's going to give you that Harlem, baby. 1430 Amsterdam. <laughs> That's where we run, Jack. Fifth low. <laughs> up, at any point in time in life, did you ever uh, visit with her? Did church. Go? church. Hey, man, listen, man. I'm keeping 100. That's 
I'm, I'm one of those kids that I always tell everybody that's why I talk so much mess. I'm very well coached, man, Joe. We'll be in school. We get, you know how we used to get out of school on them Fridays? Last day, no, Thursday, the last day of school. My brother, on that Monday, my grandmama was here. We was either on Amtrak or on Greyhound. Me and my sister and brother, we ride in New York. Oh, wow. We'll be in New York. We'll be in New York all of July, all of August. My mama come get us a week before we start back to school. And that went on from the time I was three to, I want to say, what, 12, 13? So, and then being out there, all the whole week, I'm with my grandma in Harlem. You know what I'm saying? In the hood, when Harlem was Harlem. <laughs> and then on Saturdays, because my grandfather went together, he stayed in the Bronx. He comes scoop us on them Saturdays. And then that was it. And then we'll give you back. So, back and forth between Chicago, Harlem. Then my daddy's side of the family, Montgomery, Alabama. I'm one of those culture kids, man. I've seen all parts. I didn't learn about the West Coast till I got older, though. <laughs> okay. So your early influences, uh, I'm going to I'm going to guess your early influences in hip hop probably came from the from the East Coast. <laughs> What's crazy is it's funny you say that. My first my first tape I bought with my own money was Slick Rick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, but I was yeah, cause I was big. I had to follow my sister. You know, my sister got him about four years, so we was going to all them Big Daddy Kane concerts in the park during the summer. A lot of that with my cousins. Yeah, it was more so influenced East Coast. But you gotta realize in that era, East Coast music was holding it down for the, like the early eight, late eight. You know what I'm saying? West Coast and Midwest really didn't get on to like 92, 93. That's, that's when we expanded. So so pretty much everybody could talk their mess all they want, but some way down the line, you was <laughs> bump, shiggity, bump, shiggity, bump up. <laughs> we was all doing it. <laughs> yeah, I started out on West Coast and then I gravitated back towards East Coast. Um, mm -hmm. By the time I was old enough to really hear it and get it in my, get it in my brain and in my bloodstream, I was uh I was hearing the chronic and doggy style and things of that nature. So yeah, see, that's yeah, that was, that's and that's I when mean. it trans and that's when it transcended. See, and a lot of and a lot of things with that though, that was it. Like when you said those are two transcendent albums that changed the game. At first, nobody yeah. was coming out the west except for Far Side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's because they were similar to East Coast rapping style. Then. Daz Effect was Daz Effects around at that time. Daz Effects was around too. But they, you know, how would I put it? You had you had that whole boot camp click type thing. You had Dodds Effects, Fushnikins, uh, Leaders of New School, <laughs> all them. But coming out the West Coast, far as rap, good thing NWA because NWA opened up a lot of doors. They opened up a lot of doors. You had a few groups, but they that was the trend center. That's why. Are you aware of uh, like crazy. freestyle fellowship? Nah, church, not at all. I had to okay. put me up, put me on game. And all those guys, I can't remember when they came out, but I started getting into like the, the underground hip hop scene later on. But I just mentioned that just in, just because I thought you went on. No, nah, when I was a shorty, when I was a shorty, West Coast music uh, was really getting played around me and my fellas with Cypress Hill. I fucked with Firefly. They really ain't listening to him. Uh, who was my homie? I wish I was a little bit tall. Everybody used to clown me for playing his album. What are you talking about? I know that. Um, but his album was decent, though. Everybody clowned him for that one track. But I could relate to him because, hell, shit, in high school, I was only 5'3". 
<laughs> so I can relate to Touch, man. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit taller. <laughs> Shit. But his album was decent. Hell, a lot of people don't give Shaq credit. Shaq had a hot album too, man. Uh, I never heard the whole <laughs> album, but Shaq seemed like he was on his way to doing something. But Yeah, you know. I ain't saying all of them out. He dropped like three or four of them. I don't know about any of them. <laughs> like that, you can't stop the rain, and like maybe that's, that's the album. You I think he had a song like Biggie or something like that too. Yeah, Shaq, Shaq had a decent album, man. At the time, man. Now if we go back, like where we at now, you like, man, what the to, fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it was a hit, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Salute to Shaq. Shaq. Salute, Salute to Shaq for Shaq. being multi-talented, man, and pursuing his dreams. Man, um, George. So t- tell yeah. me about tell me about this. So your mom was an educator, right? Yeah, Judge. Okay. So yep. because of that, was there at any point where she was the one who told you about HBCUs or or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. The thing about HBCUs, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's where her and my pops met at my alumni at Tuskegee. Oh, you in Tuskegee? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, no other. My is is we. I'm somewhere the legacy there because. My mom, when she was in Harlem, she went to school, scholarship to Tuskegee. Pops, super nerd at Prattville, Alabama, he got a scholarship there. And he was a junior when my mom was a freshman. And this will show you how, how the game done changed now. <laughs> and I always talk to this is how I joke with my old man. <laughs> Some moms cuffed you a sophomore year to your senior year, because they got married. <laughs> her sophomore year going into her sophomore year, going to a senior year. Really? Damn, mama! I'm the damn mama put it on you like that, man. <laughs> that's that, man. <laughs> yeah, because the story is, Tuskegee got this spot next to Tompkins Hall called the Ignorant Bench, and it's called that's the bench. Ignorant Bench. It's called the Ignorant Bench. Okay. Because a bunch of brothers would sit on the bench, and everybody they go by, just be ignorant. Hey, you! I like that switch. Hey, girl, shake that booty. Hey, hey. And it's just known for whoever's sitting on his bench is just ignorant. You don't pay no mind, but just listen to the ignorant. Well, at the time, this is how my old man called himself shooting a shot at my OG. Hey, girl with the bubble, come here, holler at you. And she from straight from New York. If you don't get your country ass out of my face, <laughs> keep it moving. Sound right. That sounds about right. <laughs> that, New York, that New York swag. Yeah. He came back proper, and there it went. But when it came to the age of two, that's where they met. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, my older sister went there. Then I went. <coughs> my little brother went on that. Little brother, rest in peace, Anthony. He went on that. He was like, nah, I'm staying in the shy. I ain't on none of that. And then what's, what's the ghetto blessing is, my baby girl just went. She's now in her sophomore year, even so she's home for virtual learning. She there now. But the whole HBCU thing, to be keeping 100 with you, even though I could have went to a PWI, that was embedded in me regardless because quietly kept my first choice was going to be either Hampton. That was a tie. Hampton, Morehouse, or Tuskegee was my third choice. But they came with that financial aid, Jack. So, gotcha. <laughs> but, Slide over this but I'm going to keep it 100. Like, going to Tuskegee really wasn't my first school I went to where the majority was African-American. I went to Seth from kindergarten to sixth grade. Every class it was Five black boys, five black girls. Until sixth grade when they started allowing the busing program where more people could come in. Then Taft, when I went to Taft, and what's amazing, like right now, like I said, the demographics have changed. 
Tab now has an African American ratio of 10%. When I went to Tab, we was at like 30, 35. Okay. So, so, so that's where the demographics have changed. But so when I went to Tuskegee, all my people, cool. But I grew up in the hood. So I wasn't uncomfortable. I was happy to be there anyway. Yeah. Better in my life. Yeah. But what, what originally made your first choice, Hampton? College tour. College tour ninety. What was it ninety five? I think I went. I went on college tour ninety four, ninety five, in Hampton. We did the whole East Coast thing. We did Hampton, North Carolina A and T, Virginia State, Howard, all those. What I liked about Hampton, Joe. Real talk, that's the most beautiful campus in the world, man. And and then the way they the way we did the tour, um, we went through my mother's sorority, she a Delta. Um, the way they set it up when we got down there, most college tours, you know, they give you a tour, you walk around in groups every day. Well, this particular day in Hampton, we had six hours. So they actually sent us with students and we was gone in <laughs> six hours. Now, they showed you a few ticket spots, but they also showed we had to see their actual regimen. You know what I mean? And and that's where it was funny, like sitting in the class and you seeing how people was getting loved. It was a different teaching style. You know, in high school, especially here in Chicago, teaching stand up there you, is, is, is repetitious. As to it was more involvement yeah. in teachers and students and that. And then the campus was just so beautiful, man. I, I liked that. You know, being here in the shower, we got the lakefront. I like that it's off the water. Going to the water is a piece of tranquil for me. So, so let me ask that you was nothing question. Cool. Let me ask you this. Would you say that Virginia is more east coast or down south? Boy, you just said the biggest debate. Boy, that used to be the biggest debate. That's why I bought it up. I, <laughs> are they down south? I'm going to say they east coast, man, you know. I, I, I see. And that's that's the thing about it, Joe. If you go up more so in Virginia, if you up more by the D.C. area, John, as they were, hey, John, hey, John, where the go-go area is strong, they East Coast. But if you get lower in Virginia, it's South. So they they, they somewhat of a perfect, I, I, I that's. <laughs> they still have that, that's that, that type of debate to this day. That, that twine, because you, yeah, because you, you can listen, you can even hear it in the music. Think of all the music that come about us. You got Timberland, Devontae, they all got that rhythmic flow, but it still got that 808 touching. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then when they spin their bars, like if you if you break down, like people used to laugh at Magoo, they used to be with Timberland. If you listen to them, if you break down some of their lines, it's an East Coast format, East Coast form. But them beats, like for real, man, them some, them some down South beats. That's why he was able, Pharrell was able to cross with everybody. Do East Coast tracks, do down south tracks, come in here, Midwest, do all these tracks because it's it's a blend of all of it. I think he kind of excluded, man. For a guy who played instruments and did band and all that, I think we have to exclude him. See, see, but that's but another thing though. Different. He that's because he understands music from a whole nother angle of it, too. Absolutely. See, Absolutely. that and that's he could he could play the chords, then he'll go over to the harps. <laughs> Then he get on the piano. Yeah, that's a guy that can actually He knows instrumentation. Him right. and right. I think it was a Chad Hugo that was a part of that group, I think. I think mm -hmm. like they, they understand instrumentation a little bit different because they were in a band. So sure. the guys are very dynamic at what they do. So salute. Right. Um, and yeah, how that's, yeah, that's very important. Like 
that's why it's funny. Like you gotta listen to different styles of music. Like <laughs> what was that? Two years ago, me and my old man went to the Eagles concert when they was here. <laughs> we was the only two brothers in there. But out of here, and all of that, yeah, I was the only two brothers. Man, I think I think let me take that back. I think I seen two more when we walked through the hallway. <laughs> but see, a lot of people sleep on the Eagles music because if you listen to the music and the words, it's hard. And that was that era. And it grew on me because my old man being from Alabama, he listened to all that country, music. all that. Yeah, it, 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 it's, hey, like, like, what's so funny to me, man, what's crazy is homie that just came up in L.A. listening to Fleetwood Mac when he was on the skateboard, dreaming. Joe, I was laughing, so I said, man, you know how many times I listen to this at work? <laughs> listen, before, before Buddy Ass got famous, I was past, I was sending that because he would be on his skateboard and he would have cranberry juice. I'm like, this dude got his whole vibe going. I was sending it to people. Hey, like, he gonna hey. up off of this shit right here. Hey, Joe. And that, and the reason I felt that, Joe, I ain't gonna lie. I felt that, man, because he was just like, sometimes you in that moment. I'm just chilling. <laughs> yeah. And not just chilling, chilling, but you know, you got you in your vibe. You been, you done, you know, you done got your smoke or your drink. And you, you hey, know hey, you are. Hey. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, just, exactly. Let me vibe out. Let me vibe out. Let me get. Let me. Let me enjoy myself. You know. Get my peace of mind. <laughs> Absolutely, because everybody needs that. You know, everybody needs some peace of mind. Got to. Jack. So Got going to. into Tuskegee, did you know what you wanted your major to be? <laughs> Reality. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this could relate to anybody that's seen the TV show Different World. Oh yeah, I went down there thinking race. You know. Coming from Tab, you know, I was super brain thinking I'm doing it. Yeah, I went down there thinking I'm gonna be an aerospace engineer. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that was because because I I'm gonna keep it 100. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to fly planes. So I got an Air Force ROTC, same thing. But aerospace engineering is different. That's the design of planes. That's the <laughs> that's the wind structure. And everything. That's not flying no plane. That's the man designing the plane, working on it, everything. So as I looked at that five-year course curriculum, and I got to the junior year, and I seen math, 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 math. <laughs> then your senior year, you're only taking four classes, and they're all math. And then that fifth year, two classes are math. And as I'm talking to the course counselor, explaining this, I said, oh, man, that's a lot of math here, man. I'm good with math. I said, so how is it in your fifth year you only got two classes? He says, let me show you one test question. There's one test question <laughs> that you got to know about so many formulas to solve this one thing. And I kept in mind, this is, and this is what's very important about people when you go to school. You got to be real with yourself. I kept in 100. I said, oh, that's not me. I know me. I'm studious. Yes, I am. But I'm going to kick it too. This requires a lot of dedication here. <laughs> so let me march on over here to the <laughs> Chambers Business House. Oh, <laughs> oh, business administration. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right for me. Damn it, man. Now, now, and I could get in the Air Force. And then what's so crazy is as time progressed, Tuskegee had a course, sophomore year introduction to hospitality management. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I've been traveling my own life, you know. Okay, let me add this on. Oh, if I add this on as another major, I only got to take four more classes. Oh, well, let's double up. I'm taking 15 credits every semester anyway. Let's do it. Four classes ain't nothing. So I walked away with two instead of one. So, so that but, was my thing. 
Okay. Okay. Take me back to that. There was how many classes one year? Four? Four math? For the math for the air, for the aerospace engineer? Yeah. By the time you got to your fifth year, your last year, you had maybe two or three classes you had to take. And that was it. And it was strictly math course. Ahead of that, how many classes were there like in a certain year? Oh, you you had to get your credit. It depends on the it depends on the rate you take it. See, most people go to school, they tell you you take only 12 credits. That's four classes. If you gonna grad, if you plan on graduating on time, see that's the hustle in school. If you plan on graduating on time, in those four or five years, depending on which program you take, you need to take at least five classes a semester. And my firm belief was always there's no excuse for nobody not to be taking at least five classes. Because if you was in high from grammar school, you in school from what nine to two, nine to three, high school you in school from eight to four. Why in the hell when you in college and you taking five classes now? On that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you may be taking three. That Tuesday and Thursday, you're taking two. Get your ass up and go to class, man. You down and spend this money, man. And you only in the classes an hour. So, like uh, someone like me, I kept it 100 with myself. And my right hand man, Ernie, my dog, we took all our classes nine to 12. Get this over with. And then be in the library for a little while and then, then party, kick it. Then Tuesday, get your ass up. So, that's, that's the thing about it. it it's, it's, that's how a lot of people. It's how you balance your time, man. Because you got too much time in there, too much time, and it tweaks a lot of people out when they don't have that structure. Okay. And that's and that's what it's about: structure and discipline. I would say discipline too. A lot of discipline, a lot of discipline, because a lot of people get exposed to a lot of first. Yeah, absolutely. When they get away, a lot of first, first time drinking, first time smoking, first time. Fucking first time going to the club, first time, first time partying, yeah. First, first time away from the crib, yeah. First time around a so, different group of people, yeah. yeah. Like, what's so funny is one of our most teachers we had down there was Dr. Fluker, he was a, a, a sociology teacher. Now, the thing about him, what's so crazy is I didn't have his class. But he was the type of professor, because his class wasn't required for me. But he was the type of professor, if you want to get that knowledge, come in my class in the back, shut up. <laughs> and he was very militant. And he was very in touch with letting you know, know who you are, know your power and everything. And there was times that he talked about racism in, in the class. And there was one brother, my boy Ernie, first roommate, that was from Florida. He never, he never experienced. He grew up in a, in a suburban area of Florida, where he was the only black kid in his. He said it was well, four black kids that graduated from his high school, so he never could relate to some of the stories that you go most typical African Americans go to. And he ended up transferring, but that's what it is. Most it depends on your environment where you come from. <laughs> so by the time you graduate, what your major was? It was business administration. And hospitality management. I walked away with two of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That 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 was my dick, my thing, man. The business part. And what's crazy is, <laughs> I still was in LTC all four years. You supposed to sign your contract after your sophomore year. Okay. But but the colonel, he was cool. He ain't make me and my boy sign because I ain't gonna lie, I wasn't dedicated yet like I was supposed to be after your sophomore year. And I was gonna sign. 
9-11 happened. I just had my baby girl, too. And it's it's one of those things that I I tell folks, if you're going to ever go to the service, you go as an officer. You can enlist and everything, but even if you do enlist, you make it your business that your goal is to go to OTC, officer training school, OTS, I'm sorry. Explain what it is. And the reason that is is because the military is all about yes, sir, no, sir. And and the one thing I remember the most from when I went to camp sophomore year, we went to Texas, and my drill sergeant, he used to mess with me all the time. He would say, Smith, you got a smart mouth. He'd tell me to run. That's when I, and I love running. There ain't nothing. And he stuck it in my head. He said, I'm going to keep picking with you because I know when you graduate and you come out with them golden bars, you're going to come looking for me. And I told him, yes, I am. I can come out. You can come fresh out of school, 21 years old. Second lieutenant got golden bars on your shoulder. This man been a master sergeant and trained hundreds of thousands of people. But when he see you, he got to salute you. He got to bow down to you. And if he don't do what you tell him at the time, he's insubordinate. Wow. So that's that, and that's what it's all about. And and, and think about and the thing about the military, I tell folks, it's great. It's all about how you use it. It's all about you. If you want to go in there and be gun ho and want to be on the line, you can do that. If you want to go in there and be an administrator and chill, that's there for you too. That's how you use it. But you got to know it's a yes, no business. It's a whole different world. <laughs> Ain't none of that. I know my right crap. It's the military. Did you learn how to handle artillery uh, <laughs> while you were doing that? What, pistols and guns? Yeah. Yeah, they gave us fake training. Because okay. I was I was Air Force. Oh, okay. So the thing, see, okay. the thing with Air Force, Air Force is more logistics. We had a little few in the camp. We did a little field training, little things. But like like the Army ROTC that was at the ski, oh, they was gone every weekend before it been made in the woods. Our PT <laughs> consisted of us chilling on a bike. Chilling. <laughs> they run a mile, Jack. Air Force, and, that's, and I'm biased. I tell people all the time, if you want to be gun-ho and everything, Marine. You want to be see the world and travel for real, for real? Navy. You want to you like water and swimming, and you really want to. And if you really about saving people's lives, Coast Guard. They don't get the respect they do, but the new ones are saving everybody's lives out there when they stuck in them waters, for real. See, the Navy is the world police. That's what they is, the world police. Now, when it comes to that Air Force, though, Air Force is all the logistics for the armed forces. Everybody in that Pentagon must be Air Force. Everybody, when they overseas, like people was talking about Barack, yeah, he, he ain't putting no troops over there. He's using them drones. <laughs> he dropped billions of bombs. That's all facts. <laughs> all bombs. Yeah. We don't use no bodies, and that's all somebody. Around like it's a video game. Yeah. And that's it. And it, it, it's mostly logistics. That's all that is. But, and that's what I tell folks. If you don't want to be fighting, fighting, and you want to be behind a desk somewhere, there you go. Get in the Air Force and chill. Mind your business. You didn't mention Army. What would be your take on Army? The Army, they known for their special services, man. See, so Army still is ground troops, but they still send the Marines more. Army is more so, how would I put it? They, 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 they I, I don't want to sound bogus, but they like to the attack on the lower class. Oh, wow. Meaning, if you ever notice, mostly people that's in the army are mostly enlisted. Them the ones you always seen at your high school recruiting people, the army. 
you rarely seen the other branches doing it because the army likes to attack more lower class people that's gonna just take this little quick GI money and get the hell on. You look at it, you see this mostly from people from rural areas. That's my thoughts on the army. That's why I always hated on them. I hate yeah, I'm on the army. I was just asking because those are the that was the one that you had left out. And I'm mm-hmm. hear your opinion on that as well. Um oh, and, and I ain't gonna lie to you. My bomb sisters, two of my bomb sisters, both Felicia's that went to Tuskegee with me. I love them girls to death. They're my sisters. And both of them Felicia's, and they both was an army RTC. One was a nurse, the other one was what's her occupation? I forgot. But guess what? They 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 have a thing. Hell, I think one a major, I think one a colonel now. But they use it for what it's for. And they ball. Because so. <laughs> as you go around, you use it for what it's for. And they army heads. That's our joke. Dirty butts. That's what they call dirty butts. But it's what you use it for. And if you get in the military, I tell everybody, it's a great benefit if you use it for what it could be used for. Because you're going to get benefits up the butt. Benefits up the butt. If you can just keep a cool boot. Hell, if you don't want to make a career out of it, go in there and do your quick four years. And get honorably discharged, you straight. <laughs> you straight. Your benefits down the line, if you use them right, it's copacetic. They give you financing for homes, cars. You get the Don't talk about that. Don't benefits. talk about that. Don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> moving forward, you so you you out of uh Tuskegee. How long did it take you to dra- graduate? Four years, five years? No, I was five year, man, five year. Five years. All right. So you graduate mm-hmm. with your what 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 level? My bachelor's. My bachelor's. Okay. My All bachelor's right. in business administration. My bachelor's in hospitality management. All right. And then you go where? Then I came home. I was at home for because I turned down Disney. I didn't want to leave my baby here in Chicago. You turned down Florida. Disney. Disneyland or Disney World? Disney World. Okay. Disney World. And what's so crazy about it, a lot of people don't understand about Disney. They own damn near everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Disney is so multi facilitated. <laughs> it's crazy. But it, it is a decent organization as well. But then, let me see what else. I left there, graduated, and then I started working at Hilton O'Hare. Where? I was there for Hilton O'Hare. Out of O'Hare um, Airport Hotel. Gotcha. And that's where I broke my wings in. I got. It's crazy. Got hired there as a room service manager. And I did that for like one month. Then all the managers in the restaurant quit. <laughs> and, and they told me, and they told me I was going to be over there to help them people for for two weeks to, to three years, Jack. <laughs> three years. <laughs> because it, I ain't going to lie, man, it was sweet. You know, room service was back in the house chilling. And at the time, this is right after, you got to remember, this is right after 9-11. So, one, no more people being able to go in the airport to eat. So, being that my hotel was right across the street from O'Hare, people always wanted to come in our restaurant. We had Andiamo. I was running a full restaurant operation. Andiamo, sports bar, my coffee shop, and my fast food restaurant down there, Tasty Dog. Was it Tasty Dog? I forgot what it was called. I forgot what the name of it was. I don't know. But, People will come, had a means, families get to say their last goodbye before they get on a plane. So, and, and then God forbid, if it rain or snow anywhere in LA or Atlanta or New York, I go from 0% occupancy to 100. <laughs> Supposed to close the restaurant at 12. Ah, 
They go a hundred people at my door without you. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's yeah. the other part about that, right? Yeah. So it, so it at taught this me point, what, what what position are you doing at this point? At that point? Yeah. I was restaurant manager. Okay. All right. No, no. Let me take that back. Restaurant assistant manager. They didn't never they never hired a manager. They had me, my girl Naomi, <laughs> and my boy Ed from Tennessee State. All three of us was running that joint. And then they hired, they did hire a, a manager, Maggie. And she came at the end right before I left. <laughs> what was what why did you leave? Oh, to learn new position. I went back to room service. Okay. I want to learn the industry. There's always different positions so you can learn all aspects. Absolutely. And then if somebody questioned you about it, hey, I remember when at this time, this is what we did to do that. The hours were sweet. You said in the process you had just had a daughter, right? Yeah, I had my baby girl, my senior year at Tuskegee. Okay. My, she, she was born the May going leading into my fifth year. So her first full year she only saw me Christmas, and then I was gone from January through May. Okay. And then my baby was with me. All right, cool. So let, let, let me backtrack. That '90s era, we, we yeah. saw a lot of good. We saw a lot of good times doing with, with, with Mike, Michael Jordan. I remember any time he was playing in the playoffs. Courts was empty. Basketball courts was empty. Uh, stores might have just been empty just because they were trying to get everything they could before the games came on. That's the mm -hmm. south side. How was that experience for you on the west side? We're doing the mic era? Doing the mic era? Yeah. See, that shit was magnificent, man. <laughs> See, everybody was in the house watching that dude, man. <laughs> you know, especially with him being right there on Madison. You had everybody trying to see him and everything. And Mike, a lot of people don't give Mike credit because he he under the radar now, you know. But Mike back in the day used to come through a lot of parks on the west side and do little cameos, you know, show his face and stuff like that. Him, Scotty, um, Cliff Leveson, Craig Hodges was big in the community. He was big. He was big. Um, yeah. Who else used to show up? Craig Hodges. Who else? I'm trying to think who else I've seen the stuff at the parks. That's what I could think of offhand. But yeah, it was big growing up during that Horace Mike Grant. era, man. Horace Grant, he came through a lot of stuff. But I mean, Mike, I'm, Mike was, how would I put it? And this is the argument I have now. You know I'm a LeBron fan. But Mike, the thing with Mike was he was the first to do it. And he did it big and he did it great. And by me saying that, meaning he was a dog. He, 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 he exemplified, don't give up. Make it happen. That's what I kill too. Yeah. Uh, there's no chance. Keep going. So what? <laughs> Leave it all out here. If you're gonna do it, do it. No excuse. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember watching a lot of the times. And even though I was a fan of Mike, I was I was still a fan of Scotty. You know, I was like, man, Scotty, Mike is nice, but he Scotty ain't getting all the credit that he really deserved, man. And he's nice with that pill. You know what I mean? He's sure, good at orchestrating the offense. Trust. That's why that's always my argument. Anybody bring up Mike to me, I said it don't mean nothing without Scotty. Yeah. I, and the reason I say that, all you got to do is go back to the first championship we got against LA. That first year, and I was a Magic Johnson fan. Man, I had a fight at school every day, man. That first year, I was hating. <laughs> I was wearing my Magic. 
You know, I had to watch. My boys was mad as hell at me, man. <laughs> but that first game, and the reason I, this is why I was wearing my magic. Because that first game, they put Mike on magic. And magic went off. But yeah. then after that, Scotty took over. No more magic. <laughs> magic had a hell of a time trying to trying to get his uh trying to get his G off that game. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, Scotty locked him down. Scotty locked him down the rest of the series. That was yeah. it. But when Mike was on him, because you got to realize Magic was six nine. Yeah, and still could bag you down and six Mike nine, couldn't do nothing with that. Because because the thing that made Mike great on defense, if you look at the tapes, Mike squat and he don't glide with you. So you trying to do a cross off of that hand right there because he already low. So he couldn't get low on, on, Ma- on Magic. Yeah, when he, he was getting winning. low, because he was so low, it was already pushing him down. It was like, yeah, you, you, you tell little ass. Yeah. Right. Scotty, I oh, don't know. I'm going to show you what this is about, man. I'm going to show you what this 6 eight can do. He just crowded him. He put them big <laughs> ass hands up. He's That's there. it. Oh, man, it's the Matrix right here. Oh, you gotta figure, out, figure out a way around yeah. this shit. Yeah. And this and this is what makes me really talk mess. If there was no Scotty, there'd be no LeBron. Scotty, I'm a little big LeBron fan, but Scotty is the how would I say the base print of it. LeBron's the athletic version of it. I would say Magic then Scotty. Oh no, oh no. See Magic, you think you see what Magic was? Magic was about finesse, passing. You never saw Magic driving to that lane. He'll finger roll you. He ain't never. Ah. On defense, you ain't seen Magic chasing down no ball. You ain't seen Magic come up court, stop, pop a three. I get, I get everything that. I, I get everything that. I just said, everything I said, you seen Scotty do. Correct. But at 6'9", six, six, like that frame and some of the stuff that you look at him and go, you like, oh, yo, he could have done more of what Magic was doing. He just didn't oh, do it. He didn't do it. He had that. that. And this is, what, this is what my man get beat up on every time. That's that Mike. Like we go back to Mike. That's that dog, that kill. Mike had that dog and kill, and he even installed that in Scotty, because Scotty was soft at first. Yeah, at first, when he first came to league, he did that with yeah. everybody. Though he made everybody get in the weight room. You know, yeah, nigga, hey, this is what we gonna do. If you want to win, this is what it takes. So I can reload. <laughs> yeah, pull up my wand real quick. You know, pardon the guy. Uh oh, here pause dying. <laughs> let, me, let me charge him up real quick. Put you on speaker real quick here. Oh, I, I'll pause it completely. Cool. So yeah. Um. So for a couple of years, I wasn't gonna do it, and then over and over, uh, one of the brothers, Jamie and Kenyon, kept they kept pushing it. They like, yo, man, you need to do this. Like, this would be this would be great. I'm like, y'all do that, man. Y'all y'all go ahead and handle it. I got stuff going on. It's not something I really want to get into. Mm-hmm. Like, but it'd be, it would be good like you would be able to bring a different dynamic you know there's a lot of stuff that we're hearing out here that ain't really for us um, and, and you would be able to bring a different perspective to it I was like yeah but that's cool but don't nobody want to hear what I'm talking about you know don't, no. don't know that shit so last year happened and we had another because it, it kept happening at like fight parties that we would be at mm-hmm. so we had another fight salute to Tom um, so we had another uh, fight party again and they talking about it. It's like, man, get your motherfucking ass on the laptop and, and hook this shit up. You know what I mean? I was exactly. like, oh, I gotta have guests. Like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be bothered with doing that type of shit. And they was just like, dude, 
you would be good at something like that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to, I want to go chill. Like, I like traveling. I like doing that type of shit. No. They're like, man, stop running from the shit. This shit happened. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and just, you know, what I'm saying, oh, my. yeah, just yeah, because because like I always say, the more we talk, the more knowledge you share, there's more opportunity for somebody else to hear. Yeah, what, that's all. What, what, what my knowledge may not, something may be smaller than me. Maybe dig to the next man, and they taking it around with it. You know what I'm saying? Hell, one of my favorite lines by Pop. I may not be the one to change the world, but I guarantee you, I'm gonna be the spark in that person of mind that does. And what Barack tell you, he listened to Pop. You know what I'm saying? So everybody has a different angle. Somebody has their influence. Like I'm looking in your background now. I love that picture of Mike and Muhammad Jack. You know what I'm saying? Then we got an ancestral sister there in the middle. I, I look like that looks like the birth one to the right. So that's showing me a lot of peace and tranquility there, Jack. So you know what I mean? That's what I live for. Yeah. Hey, you got hey, you're better. That's knowledge. Hell, that, I'm rereading the book now. Um, and my old man had me crying laughing when I was taking him to the doctor this morning. Cause I'm rereading a book from Elijah Muhammad message to a black man. And he was like, he was like, Man, I just listened because my father blind again. He said, Man, I just listened to um the autobiography of Malcolm X read by Lawrence Fishburne on what my baby girl get him. Um well, not Siri, but Lex. Lex, he like his best friend. Lex, his best friend in the house now. <laughs> and he's like, man, it was like a movie, man. Hearing Lawrence Fishburne read it, 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 it was it was crazy. So I was like, man, uh oh, sorry about that, brother. <laughs> so um, and it was crazy, man. I was like, well, pops, ah, oh, stop calling me, baby girl. <laughs> My bad, player. You good? Oh man, no, you now pause it, man. Pause it. It's what one, two, three. Out of my ten Negroes, uh -huh. and I, my immediate circle, the ten of us that grew up on Laramie, Limington, Leclerc. All our daddies was there. Now some of our parents got divorced when we were older, but from my adolescent years to our teens, shit. And and by us going to each body house, your pops was like my pops, your mom was like mine, and dad used to say something about it. <laughs> back then at those times also um if a child was out of order he probably he or she may have got whooped two three times before they got home and a moms or dad or whoever was a granny got to that ass you know what i mean nick let me tell you jack my house was, known was abundant as kids for us nigga yes it was and it kept me in order hell my house was known as the safety house because like by my old man was always the one at home Right. But everybody in the hood knew if you got locked out, your mama said, go to Mr. Smith crib. You walking out crib, you got to school, 2.30, sit your ass at that table and do this homework. Ain't none of that thing you don't just come in, play video games, watch TV. You sitting there doing that homework, and hell, rest in peace to Alex Trebek. That's the reason I like Jeopardy now, nigga. I used to have to watch Jeopardy all the damn time, nigga. And it was not good. At the time, you hated it, but now I look at it, hell, a lot of this shit on Jeopardy makes sense. Just no general knowledge. Hell yeah, I, I I fuck with Jeopardy. I used to like that shit growing up because man, of Jeopardy. I didn't know, and I wanted to know why they knew that shit, and I didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what that was, what, big, that was big, man. We in our village, all our old men was there. So that's why between me and all our homies, we shame a nigga. We you ain't doing nothing for your shorty. Yeah. <coughs> 
Let me say this: I don't, I don't have any kids, but I'm very big on on not uh, allowing myself to be around men who I know have kids, but don't take care of them. They always out partying. Like I, uh you gonna say something about it? You gonna call it out? Some people tell me I'm bogus for that, but I don't. No. I don't. Re, I don't respect that because there's no way you should be out partying and you don't take care of your kids. Just I ain't trying. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. I'm not trying to hit it. Man, they mama don't let me do this. Man, the mama this, I get it. Nigga, that's your seed, pimp. At the end of the day, well, he don't listen to me. Nigga, you ain't been around. That's your job to fix that. That's that's why it's like that. If that poison, if that poison got put in that child's head, it's because you wasn't there early. So now it's your fault. Now you gotta drain it up. I don't honor that. Joe, I swear on everything I love, I don't honor that, man. Yeah. And the reason I can't. Because maybe because this is where some people in their ideologies are different. Yeah, I didn't, I, I can't understand that concept. Yeah, because like hell, my daughter, me and her mama ain't been together since that motherfucker was baby girl was what two? Mm. <laughs> she my homie, my dog. Great parent, we do a great parenting thing. But being with her, hell no, I'm with my woman now, who's Jr's mama. <laughs> We're going great, <laughs> but. Just because it don't work out with who you have has no excuse for your seed, my nigga. Yeah. And I, I can't condone that shit. The only, the only way you get a fake pass with me is if you live out of state. And I still, I'm still on it like that because, like, rest in peace to my Uncle James. Air Force. What's up, head? He was, he was in the Air Force. That's why I love the Air Force, too. Part of the game. My first cousin, Jessica. It didn't work out with him and, and his mom. Jessica stayed in Montgomery. Uncle James lived in D.C. But guess what baby girl was at every goddamn summer? Guess who she talked to every goddamn day? Her daddy. <laughs> and back then, wasn't no FaceTime. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so so, so I, I don't condone. I, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it 100. I, if, now, if the shorty get about 18 and they don't want to mess with you then on their own choice of vicinity and you try it, that's understandable. But in their adolescent years, nah, pimp, that's on you, Joe. Yeah, um, I, I had, I've been called uh, all types of names because I mm -hmm. set relationships like that. But for me, it doesn't make any sense for me to be involved or be around a fellowship with anybody who can't take care of None of that, Judge. How the hell, how, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, Joe. I'm going to break bread with you and you ain't breaking bread with your own. That makes no sense. <laughs> And that's that the reason why I'm out here fucking with these guys that they can't be taking care of their kids, bro. And that, and that looks stupid on me. And then that means, and see, in my head, it's different. That means you'll snake me, Vic. How, how, how loyal are you? If you ain't loyal to your own blood, nah, dog. Yeah, I can't what, go. What, what, where is your level of accountability and responsibility? You know? Exactly, Joe. Like, what I can't go. That too? I can't go that at all. So I, I could never understand that or could never relate to nothing like that. And you talking about a guy you had, you had your dad and your friends had fathers. I didn't have one, but I knew better. I just knew it was something wrong with that situation just because I didn't have one. Because, you know, I was like, oh, I ain't, I wouldn't accept that for nobody because I wouldn't treat my own kid that way. Mm-hmm. Man, but, but, but like, but like, I'm keeping 100 though. I had a couple of homies who dads won that, right? They mama, to this day, this is my girl, Miss Owens. I, I love that lady, man. But Joseph, and this was my first experience losing a homie early. 
because I was blessed, even though we was in the streets and everything, none of my immediate circle, none of us got took it out like that. And it's funny how God worked. Joseph was the only one out of the mob. Me and my homies, all of us traveled. Some of other homies were unknowns. My boy Joseph was the only one was a straight arrow out the mob. That mm. was known. Joseph ain't sell no dope. He ain't smoke. He ain't drink. He ain't do none of that. But he was our man. Now, if it's time to rock, <laughs> he there. My man used to wear suits to school in sixth grade, man. <laughs> All through high school, he wearing suits. How many niggas you know coming to school freshman year suited up? Still <laughs> about that action, though. And, and he was a godly man. He was a godly man. Now, I lost my homie when we was, what, 25? It was crazy. We lost him to cancer, um, stomach, pancreas, and I think it was lung. My man never hit a square, never hit a blunt, none of that. But, you know, God has their choices for everybody. But the reason I'm saying that is because Joseph had a step pops, Smiley. That was our man. Smiley came around, but once he took our boy in as his son, yeah, and showed that love, and then he embraced us as his homies, as his good. I miss on his mama. Oh, that's my girl. <laughs> you, you always had that that link with someone because if someone show you love, that stick with you, man. I don't care what you, you always remember. For, well, me, I remember those that remember me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that's it, man. Love and respect is there, and the loyalty is there. You never forget nothing like that when you true. When you true, yeah. you never forget yeah. nothing like that. And you know when somebody Talk true. Talk to me about this, man. We living in this area, uh, era right now with this whole. COVID thing, virus thing. How are you adjusting during this period? Period. Keeping 100 with you. The only thing that blow me is going there with the mask. But I'm a homebody any damn way. <laughs> I'm around, I'm in the crib or I'm around the same miles. Like I say, my brothers, <laughs> ain't nothing changed. I keep the same routine, man. Yeah, I don't it's, rotate it's, like it's the weird. Only, I do miss, I ain't gonna lie though, I do miss cake night, going out to the restaurant, show. Little things like that to get out. But adjustment-wise, it's the same. I always gave people three feet anyway. I don't like people in my media space. Yeah, I was already giving, yeah, that's why I told somebody, I'm an introvert. I was already giving people six to 12 feet anyway. Like, <laughs> right. I, I knew what that was before this even started, Pim. Right, so, so it really don't, but it's just funny. It's like, what I gained from it gave people more humility and made people more conscious. Okay. In the sense. And, and when I say gave people humility, value what you can. Because, like, hell, I lost my cousin to this crap. You know what I'm saying? He was like my big brother. And appreciate the pimp. But it, it, it was like, but he had preconditioned health. You know what I'm saying? And that's what this thing attacked those with pre health conditions. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you ain't got no pre health conditions, nine out of 10, you're going to make it. But if you ain't healthy, healthy, like me, I'm big. People like my homies, I pimp them out of money racing me. Cause I've been getting my fat butt in the gym. Yeah. I, I go to the gym, work out. Now my homies, when we go to block, oh, you wanna race? Nigga, let's do this 40. Bet. I bet your fat butt. I'm in my head thinking, damn, I go to the gym every morning. I run my mouth. Man, my niggas don't do nothing but drink and smoke every day. Oh, let's bet. <laughs> you ain't got me in four steps. I got you. <laughs> I'll take that bet. I'll take and, that bet. Yeah, now you see my fat butt. 
But what I'm saying to that is, is that you got to be conscious of our health now. Health is wealth. Health. Where I just had just because like me, I'm high blood pressure. Yeah. I can't play around with this. And I stopped taking my medicine. I blew a vessel. Playing around and go get my refill prescription. Oh now. Ran straight to the doctor in the rest of the room. Hey, is everything good? They're like, what's wrong? I didn't refill. Oh, yeah. Well, you lost 20 pounds and you're still low. Yeah, that's what it is. Check my vision, everything good. All right. You still just want to know. You still want to hey, know, am I good? Health, health is wealth, Jack. Absolutely. Health is wealth. Going through that with my old man now, he explained that to me because he was like, hey, man, look, I'm, he said, I'm 72. I had a good run. But hey, you cherish the little heartbeats you got, buddy, because this shit fly. So, so what are you doing right now to stay productive? Because I know, you know. Oh, the, keeping real with you. We're not, not having this. This is another adjustment. I never had this much time in my hand in a long time. Pimp. But it, it's funny how the law works. My old man need me a lot right now. See, my last week on my birthday marked the first year of his new kidney. He got a new kidney transplant last year. So I was going to lose him until that kidney came. So we've been going through a lot. So now he ain't going through dialysis no more as much. He's going through weekly, his weekly treatments now. So I'm there to help him out and help my moms out because two years ago I lost my brother. So they over there need me a lot more helping them going to the gym. And then with this homeschooling with my JR. I commend teachers. Yeah, I heard I heard that has been crazy, bro, with the e-learning. It's been it's it's crazy. I, I put you like this. It's crazy to a sense. This this is my model. See, I do my boy like my old man did me. I sat with him every day the whole first week to each thing and made him sit through and, and go through all that. So there's no excuse for you to tell me you don't know what you're doing. So now, now Brady, daddy gets those calls when it's really, really needed. You see me when it's homework time. Because that lets me know you was paying attention. <laughs> Ain't none of that. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. I did this in here. And that's what made it headed. And two, I'm going to keep it 100, what threw a lot of people off guard. So remember, this happened last year anyway. So luckily, my son's school was already, as soon as this Stop ended in March. His school was up. His teachers weren't playing. They was up online in the very like the very next week. Okay. Okay. Get on your computer, do this here and everything. And it was his third grade year. So I wasn't trying to hit none of that. That's his test year, all that. So okay. so luckily his school was prepared for it. Okay. But the judgment cool. Is there any hobby or anything that you love to do that you took up during this period in time? Or is it just working working out and making sure that you help? <laughs> I'm gonna make you laugh. I dusted off my PlayStation 4. Oh, I ain't played wow. my shit in three years, nigga. <laughs> wow. Wow. But uh, but no, that ain't my hobby. But the only reason I ain't gonna lie to you, the only reason I started playing it, because my son, he a 2K love on Xbox. And I had to learn had to show him a couple times I still got the game in me, man. I ain't a gamer, but I will spank that ass. <laughs> But now, only habits I picked up, man, is probably just going to the gym more. That's it, man. The same routine, man. Ain't nothing changed with me. Nothing changed. It's just having as much time on it. I'm still up early as hell. <laughs> I'm doing a lot more informative watching. Uh, explain informative watching. What the fuck is that? <laughs> informative watching means I'm watching a lot more news, watching a lot more topics, or anything like 
I, I switched from watching a show about putting my AR together. <laughs> then I switched to a cooking. <laughs> then I go back to politics. Oh, now, you know, I go to National Geographic on you. Oh, fuck are you channel surfing? Get the fuck out of here. Nah, no channel surfing, Joe. I said, my woman hates watching TV with me because I'm watching the full hour. <laughs> I'm watching the program. I ain't just turning away as soon as the commercial come. No, I'm finna watch this whole program. Okay. <laughs> That's what it's there for. And, and cause, cause I'm up late. I'm up at four in the morning. I'm in the gym at six. So I'm in the gym till about from Gym over six, I get out about 7.30, 7.45. Walk in the door, 8 p.m., trying to get up, get the school going. Yeah. <laughs> then, wash my ass. Now, watch my news. You know I love watching The View. <laughs> Still watch The View. This motherfucker be watching The View, man. Get this old lame-ass. Hey, hey, you, <laughs> hey, 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 man. You can say what you want, man. Hey, if it, it is going to fuck you up in the head, man. The only reason I started watching The View, been about 10 years now, with my OG. I, one time she got ill and I was over there with her every day for like two weeks straight. <laughs> and it grew on me, man. Whoopi a mug, man. And then then McConley, the, the, uh, the girl from Arizona, even though like I call, I am a Republican, but I'm not no dumb Republican. I consider myself more conservative based because I look at historically, that's what I go off of. But I ain't no dummy blindy that's just gonna accept gullible crap and go for the okie doke like some of these folk out here doing. You got to face reality. Uh, you see it's Republican. Do you hear yourself? Yeah, I hear myself. I'm very conservative, brother. I believe I believe in holding those accountable for the things they do. I believe in thinking, keeping things fair and order. I'm a conservative, but I'm not no pro-Trump Republican. There's a big difference in ideology. See, now I have a lot of respect for a lot of Democrats. But the thing, the problem is with some of the Democrats, I get upset with them is they don't use their power when they have it. They like to pander. And they like to also, how would I put it? When I say sugarcoat, we know what you need our power for. You know what you need to use us. But it's time to break bread. Do you know what the and, word conserve? Do you, have you ever looked up the word conserve? No, enlighten me. I'm not. I'm, that's your homework. I'm, that's, that's my homework. That's then, your baby. homework. That's your homework. All right, but not um, I got that you. party. That party and that group of people are very are a group of very very rich people, and they have an agenda when it comes to being a conservative. And I ain't I talking about being no vice lord. Um, about <laughs> 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 being a conservative, like politically, man. Yeah, they, they, I know what you saying. The grand old party. I know what you yeah, mean by that. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> They are there to preserve all the wealth that they have obtained, and they do, do they do not want hey. to relinquish in any way. Church. Church, you see it now. You see it now. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You see it now. It's the reason McConley from Kentucky. The boy, I, hey, a lot of people don't want to admit it. But the boy pimping the game hard, Jack. This nigga's 78 years old, still running the Senate. He appointed, people don't know that's his grandson-in-law that's the attorney general that covered the, the um the sister that got killed in Louisville. That's his grandson-in-law. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And he blocked a lot of stuff that's going on. Like this COVID, um this COVID relief bill that they're trying to get part two out for everybody now. What the punk tried to slide in that bill was no private no institution that's geared toward race baiting or um, self-interest groups, anything can receive 
federal funding, which means HBCUs. We were founded on the base belief where Africa we're separatists is technically because we couldn't get in PWIs. We were founded as historically black colleges and universities. If they push that, that's why everybody hating on the explosives, because that's the sub part in that bill that none of them institutions, none of y'all get any federal funding now. You know how many HBCUs are collapsed on that shit? <laughs> all of them. It's like 112, ain't it? And, and yeah. And see, and that's what and that's what they try and slide in every time, Joe. These little fake little clauses up on everybody had trying to hurry up today. Ooh, give me 1200, give me 1200, give me my six. But then you look, you go down the list, all oh, these dirty rats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's that's the things you gotta be careful of them creeps. And that's what they're doing. Hell, Trump, Trump even said it on live on TV. Barack left me 300 seats I didn't get, that he didn't fill. Yeah, I put 200 federal judges in. He left them here for me. Who fault is that? Who was blocking him? Okay. I hear you, so, but uh, it's hard to believe the, the word of someone who is notorious for just making up shit as they go along. So Joe, here, yeah, creep. Hey, but but you are watching the truth. No, I'm saying. So we gonna wait. move on. You better. You better. You seen a true epitome of creep. I don't like to talk about politics because I think it's a a bunch of rhetoric, uh, and it leads to to nowhere for for certain individuals. All right. Um, I'm about solutions, and you know that. I, I think you know know me long enough to know I'm about that action. Results. <laughs> I'm on action. Like I don't, I don't have no time to sit around and punch. formulate. And formulate and formulate and rave and sit here and throw out a bunch of words like hey, I want hey. some shit done, I want some shit to happen. You know, my line for that is let's have a meeting about the next meeting. We can do that, but the <laughs> next meeting is gonna be some action. We're gonna mobilize. We ain't gonna be out here talking crazy. Like you know me, you know I ain't with all that shit. Church. <laughs> so, real quick, this is what I want to ask you. Is there anything that you would like to take to say to people right now who are going through this time right now and may have lost their job and they may feel defeated, humiliated, or embarrassed? Is there anything you want to say to like inspire anybody? Because you know, I, I, I work in the industry, the hospitality industry too, and I've seen a lot of stuff happen. Um, the last hey, I'm gonna tell folks like this, and I'm gonna keep it 100 with them. Go ahead. Keep your head up, as Pac would say. Hold your head up, stick your chest out, and handle it. <laughs> and why be saying that means it's, it's, if it's not in your control, you can't stress on it. If it's something that you can control about, make it happen to change. Find your vice, something that gives you peace so you don't stress out thinking about, oh man, I lost my job, what I do? And, and, yeah, and that's very stressful. I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to do this. Yes, that's real. But at the same time, if you're not good, you're no good for no one else. I got I got this little red dude with these locks looking up at me, man. I can't be walking around here looking stressed out, crying about this. It's what it is. <laughs> this is what he's going to remember. Pop still made it happen, Jack. <laughs> it's people that depend on me. My old man tell me every time when I take him to the doctor. Thank you, son. Oh, Pops was a good dad. 
<laughs> so that's why this helps you. <laughs> I think it's different so, from us than from other people, right? Because it, it, we are used to being the underdog and taking nothing and making something out of making it. Making something happen. Yeah. And, and, and then the two also, I'm big on, I'm big on mental health. And, and, and for somebody who went to council for anger management in the past, self-preservation matters. Because like I'm gonna say again, if you know good to yourself, you know good for no one else around you. That's a fact. If you're a creep, you angry, mad all day, and nobody wanna come around you because they know you'll pop off. If you're cynical, nobody wanna be around it. But if people see you happy, you handle it, that energy flows. And you never know how that little spark can ignite something. Yeah. I'm big on karma, Jack. You put that energy out, it's gonna come back on you, man. Yeah, I'm so if anybody feel, if anybody feel down about doing this time, man, find something that's gonna give you peace, man. Being a walking apart, being a senior shorty, being gonna see an old elderly, being in the neighborhood, being volunteer work. Hell, if this going to do some community work, spend some time. Yeah, I can tell people go go to Pacific. If you want to touch reality, go where I had to go. Go out here Sunday morning, pass out these breakfast for, for hours from seven to eight and see what is out here. For real. Hell, if you want it, some people may call it bougie, but hell. Go to McDonald's, spend ten dollars on these motherfucking cheeseburgers, ten dollars on these um, chicken sandwiches, and pass them out to the brothers under the bridges. They may not want it, but it's, at least you're doing what you can do. You ain't gotta be, you ain't gotta be a millionaire to help, man. Help every angle. Put out the end. That's all I take from it, man. For this during this time, just be at peace. Find your peace. Stay productive. Stay productive. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Did you at all find because I know you said you're a LeBron fan? Did you follow the NBA uh season? Yeah, I watched I watched the bubble, man. You know, I had to see my boy get his asterisk ring, and we're gonna take it around with it. <laughs> Listen, I I, I I salute him. I'm glad he got it. I'm glad he got it. Yeah, got but it. I do like I like how they was a little social conscious too. I mean, he's out here. He, he, I think we're in an age of social media where a lot more of the athletes are seen. So, uh, and I appreciate that because we do have it. We're able to see what he's about and the things that he's uh, done. But I'm and more I, proud of the fact that LeBron has been one of the most upstanding and outstanding people that we have seen in sports ever. I've never seen. I don't know how many guys. If there was anybody besides Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell doing this. We don't know exactly what all they did, right? But he's in that same fucking vein. To me. No, no, no. No, you, you are absolutely correct, sir. 100%. He's in that same vein. There may not be uh, a lot of aggression in the things that he does, but LeBron goes out and he does what he knows is right. And it's, I, you just know it's, it's, it's him doing it out the genuineness of his heart because of where he comes from. And he talks right. about it all the fucking time. And when I see him, it's not just his basketball, man, because his basketball acumen is unlike anybody else, man. I've heard IQ high, high as IQ. Very high. <laughs> and I've heard many different talks when I'm out and around different people, and they introduce me to other people that are familiar with, more familiar with the sport. They all have the same opinion about that boy being something more different than anything that we ever seen. Yeah. All right? Yeah. But it's everything with LeBron to me. It's 
the off the court shit. It's the on the court shit. Like everything that he does, man. Like he's he's really into it. Like it's really what he wants to happen. And I, LeBron James, man, I salute you for everything that you've done. And into it. Uh, to for a guy to play seventeen years just in the league. I'm not talking about like and go to playoffs. <laughs> Something different. I, I concur with everything you say because that's another thing I know about that brother. You know it's genuine. You look at his structure. Him, his woman, his kids. How he handles everything. Not only that, his team. His team around him. Yeah, so we back. Uh, LeBron is just one of those guys, man, that the standard that he's set is just a lot different from anything that anyone else would be able to accomplish in this era because he's been the lead and I don't see too many other people being able to do that. Um, being able to start a school, salute to Jalen Rose for being able to do that too. Uh, and who have participated in making sure that schools were involved or put together, created in, in the areas and districts, whatever regions where they're from but these guys are leads and, and everything that he has done and then continue to play basketball at a high level yes there are some things about his game that we you know we, we i wish he had more of, i wish he had more of a 17 to oh. jump shot <laughs> I, I do wish that hell at 69 260 whatever they saying he is i do wish lebron would just take that bitch into the post and turn around and just shake motherfuckers loose, man. I'm here. <laughs> and just, uh, y'all can't do shit with me. I can do this all day. In other words, get his shack on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can guard what four or five, four or five positions. How many guys can actually guard guard him though? You you get what I'm saying? Like exactly. Come off and catch the ball through a double team and just turn around. Like that would be uh. free for him to uh, <laughs> turn around jump shot. Fade away, but <laughs> well, we not we not getting that from him. And and for me, that's that's okay. It's just something I wish that he would acquire. He may be able to play longer with a game like that, but maybe he understands. Excuse me, his role in basketball, and it may be it may be something different for him. Only he knows. Uh, LeBron is a genius as far as what I know and what I've seen on the court, there aren't too many people. I think that he's not just playing the game, but he's watching the teams. He knows the defense, the offense. He knows how many points to score. He's the game. He knows everything. He knows everything. I concur with everything you said, because my big thing is he's great as a player. He's also good as a man. You don't hear that man name or nothing. And you know they looking for stuff on him. You know they trying. And and don't nothing wait. So that also shows you your character that the people around you, your team, got that much love for you. Yeah. You try to take care of them no matter what it is. Absolutely. There ain't nothing leaked on you, man. Absolutely. So that means we all eat. Stay down. And it's all genuine. And, and it's all genuine. Yeah. Because you ain't never heard that man name come up in nothing. Controversial. Never. Stay down with the same people we came in with. And they hate it. <laughs> They hate it. You see how they try to change the game on his man because oh he got LeBron, he got AD, he got um who else Paul got he got his, his man got he got like eleven of the top twenty players on on his yeah um Chris Paul, I think 
So they tried to start, oh, you got to have a college degree to be an agent. Charles was like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> LeBron, man, his agent don't have no, no degree. It don't mean nothing. So, so they tried to start that because what your boy LeBron's going to do is, and they, oh, I ain't going to have no team. I know how to solve this problem. <laughs> we have a lot of players, man. <laughs> Real quick. Let me go recruit. So let me ask you a question. Who do you think would be best on that team now uh, going forward? On LA? Yeah. Hmm. I'm missing Link. Let's see. <laughs> All depends if they keep Rondo now. If they keep, keep who there? If they keep Rondo there. Rondo. That's strong. Because you remember, Rondo didn't play a full season now. So they keep Rondo. That's a great presence point because that's less pressure on LeBron. So that's that's the main thing now. It's now, and a lot of people don't want to hit us, but it's not LeBron teams no more. It's 80 team now. Ball goes through 80 now. Reason being, you my young gun, homie. You finna make my career last another six years now. So he said, <laughs> he said, this is thing. Like I, I'm just here for support. Right. So everything goes. So now, since everything goes through AD, and y'all know y'all can't check me, we need either stronger two or a stronger one. So Rondo's that strong one. Who's gonna be that pick and pop for AD? That that two. Bradley Bill. That's the question. Ding. <laughs> See, because Kuzma expendable. He. He ain't show up in the bubble like he was supposed to, man. He ain't, he ain't done nothing. He ain't done nothing. And it, and, and remember, they gave up my boy that's in the Pelicans. Um, that was a dog. Um, can think of that boy name? Not the Lions of Ball boy. The other one. Anyway. Marcus Cousins. No, no, cousin. No, Cousins got hurt. Oh, you talking about that was that with the Lakers originally? Brandon right. They, then they gave him up to keep Kuzma. See, now they should have gave up Kuzma and kept him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even care which one of them motherfuckers they gave up, man. That's no disrespect to none of them. Y'all ball. Y'all don't know. Oh, y'all ball. Don't get me wrong. Y'all do something totally different than I could ever do at six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. But yeah. I would have gave one of you motherfuckers up, man. Straight up. I'd have got rid of one of y'all, two of y'all, all of you motherfuckers, just so I could get a solid three and a solid two to play. That's all they need. Oh, man. I that's what, see, but that, that contract deal got. <laughs> but hey. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it 100. Like Jenny said, she hit a win like her daddy. I pay that luxury tax shit, and that's what people don't understand. He only pay that luxury tax. You gonna make it back on the back end anyway from all the revenue in the playoffs. Absolutely, but now Much it's be right because of the revenue stream because we're in this whole COVID situation. They have to figure that out. But um, they she was gonna make that money back somehow. If it would have been a regular season, she would have made all that back, especially because they would have went to the playoffs and the finals. She would have made all that right. shit. Well, and, and every time my team gets some of this TV revenue, so the deeper we go in the playoffs, guess what? The bigger my cut is. That's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, they get one more solid two there. Oh, that's gonna be so sweet there, man. Yeah, I think they need a good backup point guard too. Yeah, well, that. But see, but what we all, but see, where everybody got to see though, who, who's that dog that's gonna go to Golden State? See, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I give Curry credit and Thompson, the best damn shooters you ever seen in this game, man. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm keeping it 100. They, they not the flash, but them boys got some buckets, Jack. 
Yeah. Reg, I grew up watching Reggie drop dimes. I, I grew up watching uh Dennis Miller drop dimes. Craig Hodges, boom, Larry dropping people. But them two cats, it's like you get this punk two feet, 848 feet from the damn rim. Bang. <laughs> Can't get him one of He's one of those players that I put in that category, like a lot of people. This is why I give Curry game credit for. Certain players change the game. He's one of them. He's one of those that changed the game. He made that you got to check me in half court now. Because yep. I will pull up on you and drop him. And, and, and that's what people do now. Shaq was one of those. That's why that circle's in the hole now. Shaq changed the game. <laughs> I'm the most dominant in this paint. <laughs> if you down here, you touch me as a foul. Because I'm going to beat you. It ain't my fault I'm there. You can't stop me. You know what I'm saying? So that so if they get somebody like Giannis, that's dangerous. That'd be crazy. That'd be but crazy. see, but but what's hard is gonna be hard to tell Giannis leave two hundred. What he leave another hundred million on the table if he leave? If he, if, if he leaves, I think it, I think he leaves like eighty million dollars on the table if he leaves. <laughs> How bad is that range? <laughs> but let me say this though. Is it about the money or is it about the ring? Like, what do you want to be known as? Do you want to be known as a rich dude or a rich dude and a champion? I'm going to say this to you like this. Ask Melo that. He got Remember? he got paper. He sold up. Like, the paper sold up. but He sold up the paper. Melo could have came here to the Bulls that year. With D-Rose, We Gordon. still looking at him like, eh. But, but I'm saying, though. Missing that one big thing, though. But my thing to that, though, is. See, see, I think differently. That's generational wealth. Two, if I'm not good, they don't come to me. Eventually. I hear you. Melo's straight for life. I, I, I hear that. All, I hear all that good shit. But just imagine had he been with a team that could have won. Oh yeah, would have transcended. It would have transcended. Yeah, but sold up his legacy in a very great way. You know, um, salute to Melo. I think Melo is a very good basketball player. No, One no, of the top. He, showed you, he showed you this series. That BS they put him through, dude, he was trying to make my man a scapegoat, was crap. Yeah, yeah. That was crap. I, didn't like, I didn't like any of that. I didn't like any of that. And, you know, what bothers me the most is that when media, people in the media, especially people that know where you come from and you're from the same environments and you continue to make these guys look like the bad guy, without actually knowing that they're the bad guy. If you don't know this dude is a bad guy, cut that shit out, man. That bothers Stop me. making him out of it. That, that, that bothers me a lot. Just going off that, yeah, because that's that perception, that, that thought. This that, bullshit, yeah. like, when, if you don't specifically know 100% that this guy is a, is a cancer to the team, or he, he, you can't win. Why are you saying that? Why, why are you putting that? it out there? Why even put hey. that out there? Because now... The rest of the world hears that and they go, oh, see, another black guy that can't get along with his own. I'm so glad you said it. I hate to change the sports, but remember when Lamar Jackson came out of college? Heisman winner. Yeah. Louisville. Ranked number two in the, in the nation. Oh, but he can't play quarterback in the league. He should change his position. They drafted that man. That man got drafted the last pick in the first round. But he was the Heisman winner quarterback team from a conference. We ranked number two in the nation. He should play wide receiver. Oh, he's not good enough to be a quarterback. Oh, but he wanted to. He told him, I'm not a running back. I'm a quarterback. 
and and this is where the game so and you know who his agent was right when he first came out who was that his mom his mom oh wow i didn't know they that. Heard it that and that's and that's why she was going in oh, my son ain't no wide receiver he's a quarterback we ain't changing nothing this is what it is and now look see but now but you don't hear that you don't hear that narrative no more so it's like they forget you you're just supposed to streamline and forget how they did you know so and that don't my the reason I bring that up though is because you can't let somebody tell you who you are. <laughs> Stick ever. to your guns. <laughs> Stick. Stick to your guns, man. Stick That's it. You know you better gonna... than any other outside person in the fucking world. You know what I mean? Listen, let me and let me say this about that since we're on it. We don't know how well Allen Iverson would have been if he would have stayed in football. We don't know because he chose to play basketball in the end. But from what we do know in the videotape that we can see, Allen Iverson was very good at football. He's a dog. I'm sorry. That was a that was a smart business move. Remember LeBron played football. I got a better name for you than both of them. Charlie Ward, 90. He was a quarterback. Quarterback, Florida State, Heisman winner. He was picked to go number one NFL. Nah, buddy. I'm finna go hoop for the Knicks. Florida State. That year made it to the Elite Eight with him as point guard. Went to the NBA, had a 10-year career. If he wouldn't win the NFL, probably maybe four, five. If he won balling, body's a lot better. <laughs> made guaranteed money. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And he was there in that era with Latrell and them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was there when Hoopers was there. Yeah, he so, was, so. I think it was in him, Charlie Ward, right? Or was that yeah. Chris Towns that gave Kobe that two piece? Pop, pop. I was like, oh, <laughs> I said, oh, shit. The two piece. <laughs> and the two piece, yeah. With a, with a, with a, with a buttermilk biscuit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what that, that was about. Was Chris Childs that did that. I think it was Childs. Salute to whoever that was. I'm not instigating no type of drama. It was, it was classic, though. You know, it's certain people that you just can't run up on and be talking crazy like that. It just makes them uncomfortable. It was classic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was I don't know what Kobe said, but you seen that jab come out of there, and then he extended the right hand. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. He was back on the block again. Yeah. And then Kobe looked like, wait, what? I didn't know we were actually throwing punches. Oh, yeah. That's that shit, though. The, the league yeah. has changed so much in so many different ways, but it's still a good a good thing to see. I just wish um, some of that ruggedness was still there. Uh, for yeah, it got soft. It got soft. It, yeah, yeah, it, 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 I say it got soft. Yeah, it got super it, soft. It's too much. It's too much. I'm happy they ended the flopping crap. But the, I, I do agree it should be no hand checking. But you can't call. You, they got to stop with these fouls because I'm banging. It's a physical sport. Basketball is a physical sport. Football is a collision sport. If you're going to play basketball with no touch, that's why, I hate to say it, that's why a lot of Currys can shoot now. If somebody was able to get up on him and put a body on him, would he be that dominant? Where he got to run through these screens for real? Where he got to keep running through screens, go through a body, drain some of his energy? Let me lean on him a little? That's where that's why he's able to run free. Cause he ain't burning no energy. Can't touch. That's why that's why he got exposed by our boy when LeBron came back with Cleveland. Let me run play. And they kept switching up, make him stick D on me. 
bag your little butt on down, and wear you out. Ain't no more you shooting these half court shots because you're tired. You done had this 240 leaning on you. <laughs> them arms tired. <laughs> so it's like boxing. <laughs> Do another push-up, give me off for you. It's just a lot of stuff that I just don't know. Like, they took so much away from the game just to make it a high-scoring game, you know. Um, exactly. I, and I understand that you want to make it interesting and you want to get people involved, but you took away from the guys that are actually defensively sound. So you left them in a no-man's in, in a, in a no land where they couldn't really do anything. I mean, they could. They could rebound. They could still learn how to shoot the three-point shot or – different other other different things like that but they took some of the best stuff out of the game by just making it so offensive man while I do love the offense of it imagine a guy like James Harden or a guy like Kevin Gar Kevin Durant having to get defense played on them by a guy who was serious about defense who's a dog like Tony Allen or somebody like that like a That's guy right. that really wanted to get up in your chest Patrick Beverly still and I, I noticed I just named two guys from the west side of Chicago. What up? Um, you <laughs> dig? That's, that's Chicago ball, period, though. Every, now, that's y'all side of the city. That's y'all side of the city, man. Y'all <laughs> shit, shit was defense. Our shit was offense. <laughs> but I'm going to keep it 100 with you. You know the line I love to say every time? What's that? that people hate my cousins that's in New York. They hate I said, hey, man, every NBA team are always going to have one Chicago play on it. That's, that's, that used to be true. That used to be true. I don't know about now, but that used to be AD. true. AD. Where AD from? That used to be true. Like, if you look at the uh, Clippers at one point, they were called the Chicago Clippers because it was Corey McGetty. Uh, and, yeah, and when they were doing it. Yeah, when they were doing it. Uh, Darius Miles, because you, we call yeah. you, we say you, from the, we say you from the crib, too. You um, say little pimp. Yeah. <laughs> hey, boy, that was, a, that was an error, boy. Them boys yeah, was, was over there. Uh, Melvin, yeah, Eli, you had a bunch of guys. They sure did, Joe. Yeah, yeah that was an error. Even with Golden State at one point, they had Sean Livingston. And even though I, yeah. I don't know if he's from Chicago, but I think he's from like down he from the Ryan. He's from Ryan State, Illinois, man. Hey, you from Italy, man. You good, man. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you a huge debate. <laughs> he used to be funny. I'm going back to college days, right? You know, every on campuses at HBCUs, you always have. Texas club, California club. Yeah. They had the Alabama club, the Georgia club. You know what the Illinois club was called? Chicago, Chicago club. Yeah. <laughs> I already know what that and, is. And it used to be a huge debate why people that weren't from Chicago be like, look, man, we all ain't from Chicago. And our argument used to always be, all right, what is Illinois known for? That's it. Everything in <laughs> Chicago. I said, I said, come on, man. <laughs> Let's be 100, y'all. Then some of y'all front like y'all front anyway. Don't nobody know about Carbondale and none of that shit, <laughs> Right. Peoria. Like so, that shit. so we used to be 100 with it, man, but that used to be a huge debate. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, Dwayne Wade, I think they said he was from out, like, he's from like a suburb or he lived in a suburb. He was. He grew up over here on 59th and um, Prairie, but then when it came to time to hoop and he moved out to the suburbs of his eighth, eighth grade, yeah. So he's one of, it's one of those, he grew up. See, and when people say stuff like that to me, you still grew up from where, if I was from zero to 13 in the hood, that's where I'm from, man. 
<laughs> even though these last like five adolescent years, like Luda, a lot of people don't understand about Ludacris. Ludacris grew up in Chicago till he was 13 and went to Atlanta. The reason he claimed Atlanta is because that's where he transcended into his teenage years and that's where he formulated, you know, and which I could understand to a certain extent. But when you've been there that long, 13 years in the hood, and then you move to the suburbs because you're hooping now and, you, and your life situation changed, you're still from the hood, man, because it's in you. It's in you. Because people know you. They know where you're from. Like, people have seen you. They know you from over there. And you can understand and relate. I don't, I don't care. Like, hell, man, I, I, I still, me and my daughter to this day, we still look at my mama and turn our nose up. My OG to this day will still sit back and make a mayonnaise sandwich, Jack. A mayonnaise sandwich? Yeah, man. You used to call those wish sandwiches because you used to wish you had some meat on them, motherfucker. Listen to me, pimp. Exactly. And I said, hey, my, the times, man, it's long gone. What? This is what I want. I grew up on it. This was my snack. I like Okay. Well, hey, you know, hell, my old man said he did sardine. Some people are stuck in their way. You could take them out the hood. Can't take <laughs> the hood eating? out them. Right. Hey, it's and from what I understand, eating sardines isn't a bad thing. I heard eating sardines is good for you. They are, brother. The only reason I'm keeping one hundred with you. The only thing, only time I really eat them though is like I'm sitting back playing bones with my old man. Okay. Now, I ain't going to the store like, oh, I need these sardines right now. <laughs> I was told that eating sardines is really, is actually good for you, but um, to each his own. I mean, I, re mm -hmm. I remember growing up on eating sardines. You know, mm -hmm. I used to love yeah. some crackers. Yeah, right yeah, with crackers, with saltines, pal. <laughs> that was a shit. So Saltine saved a lot of days, man. A lot of days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you remember like the um peanut butter and syrup sandwiches? Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't want jelly. I want syrup. I don't want jelly. I want syrup. Glazing on top. One good rub. Uh, smash it. <laughs> I'm good to go. About the side. <laughs> Yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. Yeah, but for nobody who never who never had it, it's called a wish sandwich. So what you do is you put mayonnaise on it. You just wish you had some bologna or some beans or something. Something. You just yeah, dude, mayonnaise and bread. It's crazy, man. That's the funniest sight. When I saw my daughter, my daughter was making a fake shoe like. <laughs> my baby couldn't relate. She a millennial. Shit, what the hell is this? <laughs> she was getting mad as hell. Grandma, you ain't got nothing to eat. What's wrong? So you need to <laughs> she was concerned. Yeah. I said, no, baby. So here's a here's the other thing about eating those type of sandwiches, right? If you don't understand what that is, then you can't you can't necessarily relate. But here's a blessing in that for your daughter, right? As generations go on, each generation is supposed to get smarter and financially more stable, right? So mm -hmm. she doesn't know what that is because she doesn't have to experience that. For you, that's exactly. just like the, the, I guess what, the epiphany or the clarity in that. Like you making fun of grandma, but you don't know what she took, what, they, what it took to get to so that. You get here right now, Pim. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, we big on that, Joe. That was one of, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you, Joe. That was one of the proudest moments I heard speech my sister did. Uh, my sister graduated from Harvard, her uh, master's in education. And and when she graduated from there, 
it was her and two other black girls in that class, right? And the thing about Harvard graduations, the way they do their graduations is whatever school you are, it's their own private little graduation. Okay. And then you had that graduation, then you had a math school. So when they had that one, it's the math program, each person got to get up and speak. So my sister got up there and spoke. It, it, it made it was a touch of resilience when she went down the history of that I didn't even expect her to mention our grandparents, you know, from like on my daddy's side, my granddaddy, farmer, family farm. My grandmama was a maid. She was the help. What that movie to help? When I watched that movie, then I relate to that movie hundred percent. I remember my grandmama telling me those stories growing up before she passed. Mama side of the game, New York. My grandmama was lunch lady, granddaddy. Have Indian from Augusta, South Carolina, um, garbage man. So when Tamara went down the lyrics of uh, how she was, where she come from to be where she at, why she chose to come to Harvard. So so she said, so when I go back on the block, <laughs> somebody black could say they know one black person that went here. Nobody know nobody in the hood. Know somebody with time. She said, I could have went anywhere else. I can't hang up to get my Masters here, so anybody that grew up with me around there on Lamb say they know one person that went to Harvard. At least one. Just, At least you one. know what I'm saying? And, and when my sister said that, she, I was like, man. And she went down the history of what my grandmama had to do, my grandparents, how they had to stack to send my mama and my daddy, and how it trickled down. You know? And I was like, damn. That's some deep shit. And like right now, that's what's had me get my mind right and stack my, like baby girl at school right now. Hell, that Gerber Life Fund. It was called a Gerber Life Insurance Fund. I think I started in old. That girl was born old one. Don't I started be in personal business. No, I'm putting people up on game. Okay, it's, called, right. it's called Gerber Life. It was like a Gerber Life Fund thing okay. in the old three, and I, it's like a life insurance type thing. But you can use that towards a college ed. Did that for them for years, and that's what put you on to get there. That saved a nigga life, man. For her. You know what I'm saying? Early game, fifty dollars here, hundred dollars, fifty dollars there, hundred dollars, fifty dollars there, hundred dollars. It adds up, then. No, no, I just didn't want you to just tell your. Oh no, I ain't gonna expose it. No, I want people to know. I want to know the reason. No, no, I'm putting people up on game because the reason I'm bringing that up is to show the transition difference. Like when I went this way to school, my grandparents, how they blessed me, the old days was saving box. See, but the difference in the monetary value of it is. They may have got me that saving bond for $100 in 1980. But here it is in 97, it's worth now 160. Mm. As to put it in that life insurance type Gerber Light college fund, each hundred I put in there each month, it was down to becoming that one month, that hundred became 110. Then when I come next month, that 210 now becoming got them at 240 and it keeps going like that. But it, it's just showing you how to prepare in the long run. <laughs> and that's it if you're able to because what you said it leads me back to the point of where each generation you try to transcend yeah you're trying to get better yeah and like i tell what like i tell baby girl i say right now i don't need nothing else all my investments now are for you i said i i, I said I, I see the light i said like all my money investments anything i do now is in you yeah because why i said your little brother nine I'm gonna make sure you Gucci to just in case this knucklehead ain't on square. You can sister out, marry her But hey, this all you now. 
I'm not gonna get you on that. Yeah, I did everything. Yeah. I'm, I leave it. I leave it to y'all. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, and I'm gonna do you like your grandparents did me. Hey, just take a step forward. I'm here for you. I'm gonna ride with you regardless, good or bad. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what I need you to do. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, we're seeing a lot of people start to pay attention more to the black community and reform and whatever it is that's going on, all right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that more of the young men that are coming out of these schools, out of the, out of out of high schools, should go into HBCUs, the basketball players and the football players? Do you think that they should start going back to the HBCUs instead of going to these majority colleges, like uh, stuff I'm not going to name, but do you think they should nope. stay more with the HBCUs and build those up? Because I feel that they should, since we're making these other schools billionaires, I feel like the same thing should be done um, um, amongst our own. But how do you feel? About I would love it, but I'm going to keep it 100. Facilities aren't able to, to sustain it the way it should. Now, and, and then you're going to have, and I hate to say this about my culture, you're going to have the haterism. If I, I know I'm coming out of Prime example, if I'm coming out of Chicago, I'm the number one player in the nation, right? Nine out of 10, I'm gonna do my one year at the school, right? So if I go to an HBCU conference, unless you're going to, to the, uh, who's D1? SEAC, no, no, C, um, Howard and them. Graham, yeah, SWAC, they D1. You gonna go down ball, who? But how many of these dudes that know they're not going to the league, know they're not, there's nothing invested in them at all. They know they're not going to the league of Juco or nothing. Are they really going to be here to hoop or they don't be here to hate on you or hurt you? You see, and you got to, and you got to put that in perspective because I honestly, that's one angle. I honestly feel that way, people, and I would agree with you. Two, the athletic facilities. It's hard to tell someone to go, if you're coming from a D1 program, a program in high school, a program, 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 then you come to some of the HBCUs, nine out of 10, your high school facilities are better than your HBCU facilities. You, and the players look at that, man. You are not lying. You are telling the truth. But the only way to build those up is to have these young guys come there so that you can get the sponsorship from a Nike and Adidas and under, you understand what I'm saying? And I, I understand 100%. Program, in a successful what? position, we, we need the athletes the endorsement. there. And we, we don't have athletes there. That's what it's all about. See, it's about the TV contract. See, and no HBCUs have no TV contract. That's all March Madness is about. Games on Saturday. These conferences, Big Ten, Big 12, Seattle, all of them got TV contracts. Correct. So, so, so in order, the only way that that would facilitate for the brothers to do that, it would take at least three years of straight top 10 players all going to HBCUs. And the reason I'm saying that is they would have to form the competition level where that this conference here, where they go, gets that TV contract. And that's the only way the money don't come. And the other thing about it is, so we already know that there are certain guys from the neighborhoods that make it, right? Mm -hmm. But we also know there's, that there's that one of those 
there's those one or two guys who are very good, but they didn't make it. Get them superstars. Those guys will have a chance at an HBCU to shine and get some of that credit too, which would make the longer list for HBCUs to to have a reason to invest back into the community. I think it would work, man, but I just, I don't think that. that And to that credit though, them brothers do go. Some of them brothers do go to HBCU just to who? Just okay. who? But, but, are they taking the school? See, the thing where people get twisted though, and it's the difference between PWIs and HBCUs. We don't give a damn you. You're here to learn. That's the difference. And that's, and a lot of people don't understand that too. These professors, see, in PWIs, you got an average of maybe 50 to 100 students in each class. HBCUs, you got anywhere from 20 to the 40. Unless you're at a state school, a big state school, where it might be like Jackson State or Alabama State, they might have a couple classes with 100 people in. So when that teacher is teaching that student, that athlete that's in his class, he's got a personal relationship with you. What's your reason not having your ass here? Oh, you think that you hoop? You think that you play football? That's the difference in HBCUs. That, 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 um, what's the word for it? Plagiarism? The, um, you just get to go just because favoritism. That ain't fly. That's but I like, get that. I get that. I feel like that would happen early on. I would feel like after five or ten years of this this process happening, it would change dramatically. I, I just I just feel that way. But that's you know that's a big subject for another time. But I, I just feel like that's something that could be worked on where we. Start I'm gonna keep it one hundred with you though. I would love to see that. Oh, my dream! I would love to see like the top player, say for one year. If you if he know I'm going just for one year, I would love to see that Can player you, go. This, so this is what I'm thinking about. Can you imagine what it would look like if four of the top athletes in basketball went to an HBCU? And he played with a list of guys that were from around the way that were great around the way, but they couldn't have made it to some big time university. Opens up their door. So now you got all these guys at four schools that can ball the fuck out. And now they they only not, not only do they ball out, but they can compute, they can compete with these big fucking universities, man. I agree with that. A hundred grand. Hell, you got you want to hear a real life story of that? Mike Conley. Only reason Mike Conley got drafted to Ohio State because of Greg Oden. Yeah. Salute to Greg Oden, man. Your, your, your body fell apart. I'm not sure what it was. If they misdiagnosed. Knees, man. The knees, man. That was a big boy at a young age. Carrying a lot of weight. Damn but man. when he got drafted in high school, he said, I'm not going to Ohio State unless you bring my man to my point guard. And Mike Conley went. Older end up going number one. Conley got drafted. Wasn't another person that was with them? Wasn't it like a, a guard or something that could shoot or something or try to shoot? I don't know the other player, but I only remember that story because that's some shit that Greg Oden said, I ain't going unless my man come with me. Oden went number, I think Oden went one. Yeah, because KD went number two. And then Conley got picked up later and he ended up having a longer, greater career. All because my man said, but he was getting shine because you had this predominantly player there, this beast. So I concur 100% with you. And that's what it would take. 
real talk. If you had four top players go to one conference, see, that's key. And I just, I'm just saying that one conference, but just go to like different schools, just four different major players. And then the guys from those areas were to join up with them and play. That would gotta be crazy. It, it'd be sound great, but it would take, I'm gonna be honest with you, through the HBCU network, the reason I say it had to be that one conference to start it off with, because the level of competitions are different conferences. You like you got SWAC, CIAA, CIA, um, who else is the other black HBCU conference? Level competition is not the same. Hell, prime example, my school, I love to ski. Two chains went there to hoop for one semester. <laughs> we ain't known for hooping, nigga. <laughs> But if you bring a dog there, we still <laughs> because I, I the recruitment ain't gonna be there like that. But the reason I'm saying it matters the conference because you, at the end of the day, you gotta have those television rights. There gotta be some money behind this. True. <laughs> and, and if you have four players, that's the top four players in the league. I mean, high school, they all go to SWAC. One go to Jack State. One go to Grambling. One go to Southern. Right. One go to Texas. Gotta kill the game. Crazy. <laughs> or if two of them went to the same school, it would it would just be some it would be some some crazy. If they know they stand for one year, I concur with that. That that would change the game. For the simple fact, them cameras will follow you every game. Yeah. Every game. Hell, even and putting the camera and, and putting enlightenment on HBCUs like they should, but and then you had those that, that would be a beautiful thing. It yeah. it really would. I, I I I totally agree with you on that. It would be so beautiful. I think it's something that needs to be uh, implemented. Yeah, something not just implemented, but somebody needs to look into that. Like, yo, how how do we get these guys to come to these HBCUs? Why don't they know about HBCUs, use HBCU programs, and how come they aren't utilizing what we have for them? Why don't, why, why don't they give us the same attention? And I see why they don't give them attention, but the recruitment difference should. It, listen, I didn't learn about HBCUs until I was 16, 17 years old. And since then, I've been very big on telling guys, like, these are things that you should probably look into. Now, if you want to get that immediate look to, like, football, yeah, go do that. Handle that. Handle mm -hmm. that. You know, to help our HBCUs flourish and progress and continue to be thriving, I think that's something that we need to look into as well because – these majors, these majority schools that we keep giving the money to or giving our talents to, they're, they're billion dollar schools. Million dollar schools. Billion. And if you want to play ball, you want to be going to get them billion, to are, Listen, they are billion dollar universities. Brother, that's why they think they can't have no games. Just think, I'm going to show you the revenue from if they got Michigan, University of Michigan, the largest stadium in the nation. That stadium holds 110,000 people. That's crazy. If you just charge $5 a ticket, which you know they ain't charging $5 a ticket. <laughs> That's every Saturday. And we ain't counting parking. We ain't talking food. We ain't talking beer. We ain't talking souvenirs. But just off that $5 per person, that's half a meal right there on that one Saturday just for ticket sales. Now, some tickets are... 2000, something is three, you know, because alumnus. <laughs> Come on, man. So, these, yeah, it's big business, big business, but all thrives from long time <laughs> systematic. <laughs> well, we know what that is. Uh, bang, bang. 
<laughs> I'm gone. You know what that is. I'm gone. <laughs> hey, man, is there anything else you want to talk about, man? Man, what else is that we need to touch, Jack? I think um, we pretty much, pretty much touched everything down there. I think so. Uh, we're going into an, another hour. Um, hey, it's flowing, pimp. <laughs> it is. That is. That's why I, I said I like doing it, you know, because you can just talk talk your shit. And, you know, we're not offending nobody or we're not trying to. And you can do your editing letter. Yeah, listen, if I really wanted to defend, uh, to offend people, I could say some stuff. <laughs> now, we all, we all keep it cordial. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is the Full Profits Prop Podcast. My guest is Brady Smith, who was a Tuskegee graduate and was also a fellow co-worker of mine. I appreciate you, uh, Brady, for coming out. I appreciate you uh, for your energy and your love and your passion for your university, for your kids, for life, uh, and for continued progress. But I could digress and get into some other shit and tell you motherfuckers how I really motherfuck people. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be right here, right with you, Phil. Yeah. We can get militant. (laughs) That's what I tell everybody. Like you said, you don't like talking politics. Yeah, I'm a Republican, but I'm a black man before I'm anything else. <laughs> and I, I real recognize real. Hey, you already know that real lies, real lies, real lies. All right, exactly. Understand what that is? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you understand what that is, you know what time it is. Twenty-two, twelve, seven, four, fourteen, two, four, fourteen, and all that other good stuff. Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah, shout out to the souls and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Tony Black and all them other guys out there, man. Um, anything else you want to add? Hey, based on all that, love, peace and love to everybody, man. This was a great moment. This was a pleasure being here with you, brother. This 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 this, this, this is a beautiful thing, Jack. And, and 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 like earlier, what we said, everybody, don't let this pandemic mean anything, man. You know, made through worse things generationally. <laughs> We've not seen a lot worse. So, so to that, blessings and love, man. Church. Yes, uh, everybody out there, continue to stay inspired, motivated. Uh, continue to spread peace, much success, much love, much uh, happiness to everybody out there. This is the Faux Prophets Podcast. Me and my G, Brady yes, Smith. We out this motherfucker. Salute to the West Side. Yeah. Yes, brother. Dutch.